You're listening to The Setup Podcast, a podcast that helps you navigate new topics in music, tech, and entrepreneurship with the most disruptive professionals in the music industry, turning their experiences working behind the scenes into actionable advice you can use. I'm Sydney. And I'm Sam. And we're your hosts for The Setup Podcast. If you're like us, passionate about paving your own path, hit the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite app because we'll help set you up for success at The Setup Podcast. I want to say a quick shout out to our amazing listeners. Truly, I created this podcast to help those who are new to the industry, just like I was once. And I'm very happy to learn that I can also provide insight to those who have been in music for a while. I want to give another shout out to all of our new listeners of The Setup Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Today's podcast is brought to you by our friends at Bandzoogle. Built by musicians for musicians, Bandzoogle is an all-in-one platform that makes it easy to build a beautiful website and APK for your music. Our listeners can go to bandzoogle.com to try it out for free for 30 days. And if you enjoy it, you can use the promo code THESETUP to get 15% off your first year of any subscription. Hey, Sydney. So how are you? I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. How was your weekend? I went to a um, a charitable walk for Best Buddies. Oh, nice. Yeah, this weekend was kind of pretty crazy for me. Um, probably the craziest weekend I had in like a really long time because I actually went to bars. On Friday, I went to Boys Town and that was really fun. And then on Sunday, I uh, went to Funky Brunch and then had a bridal shower. Her bridal shower turned into a night out. I've never seen that before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Levi came out too and everything. It was fun. Was Levi at the bridal shower? Yeah, he was he was doing some work. Uh he was the he was gonna be a DJ, but then the music like wasn't working and then he was taking photos. So Chris and Ham working. <laughs> It's for both of them. <laughs> I know, but it was it was funny. Like it was good because there's actually not a single other guy there. Anywho, well, in case you missed last week, we learned how Ethan and Nell helped Sipsky release multiple remixes of his own single Down and Out to increase his fan base as as well as streams to over three million listeners. So Sydney, who do we got this week? Let's just jump into it, shall we? What a smooth transition. (laughs) Matt Lattice is the founder and talent manager at Matt Lattice Entertainment, representing Jonah Roy and Walden. Previously, he was a business manager at Monarch and a festival organizer in college. Today, we are discussing how Matt helped Jonah Roy use TikTok during the release of Pressure that boosted his streams to 60,000 in eight short weeks. Yet again, we have another TikTok episode, so... What does that say? Like tax taking over the world. Thank you so much for doing this, like super quick. How did you get started in music? How did I get started in music? It started, I played in high school in jazz band and other bands, thinking I was going to play music for, for a career. But in college, I realized that wasn't going to be my forte um, and ended up studying econ and having a music minor. But I found my way into booking concerts on campus. So I joined the live music organization. It was a nonprofit. 
And I was involved in all of these live events, which sort of helped me break in to the music industry without even realizing that I was that I was doing so because we were booking with major agents and putting on large events. So that's kind of how I got started was in college um, through a nonprofit on campus called Music Matters at the University of Michigan. So that's really where uh, where it all got started was back in college. I love that you had that incredible opportunity to do so at a college like University of Michigan. Also, Samantha, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to say, I saw that you were in jazz ensemble. So like straight to the top, not just jazz band, right? You were in the ensemble. Uh, well, that was high school. So yeah, I, and, I, and so... I think there was, only, I believe there was only one band, um, but I haven't really picked up my saxophone in, in a little while here. I do still play guitar a bunch, but just for fun. Would you guys twinsies? I know, right? Like, <laughs> what, what did you facts. play? Saxophone in high school, and then edit, and then did not do it in college because I was also in marching band as well. But then I had to stop that, go to jazz band because I had to work on the weekends after mm. a while. So had to switch it up a little bit. But that's hilarious. what. What, uh, what kind of saxophone did you play? Alto. Alto, classic. She yeah. still she still plays it to this day, except for now it's just a bunch of squeaks. <laughs> <laughs> No, only, you know, sometimes when I have people over and we're just like having a couple of drinks, like, yeah, bust out the saxophone for fun. Yeah, there are a select few friends who will be like, wait, do you actually play sax? And I'm like, hold that thought. And and I'll I'll bust out like a song and I'll be like, and I retire. And and with that, I'm out. (laughs) Do you have a go-to song? Um. I don't think I have a go-to song. I have a go-to like melody. I used to just play a lot and it was just like pretty swinging and I just still know how to do it. It's one of the few things I remember (laughs) how to do so I can still kind of, kind of get it. But um, yeah. So out of all how you got into music, we're really just going to talk about your jazz <laughs> band in high school scenario. Maybe no. we can start a little sax duo, Sam. I feel like yeah. there's some some untapped uh, opportunity here. Wait, guys, uh, this has never been done before, but how about just like a saxophone duo and make it mainstream because <laughs> everyone needs more saxophone. Come on. <laughs> there's never enough sax. Um <laughs> Like as much as I actually would love for both of you to get your saxophones and duel it out right now, we'd love to hear now what to hear more about what you're doing now um, with Mad Lettuce, which, by the way, really cool play on words. Is that a nickname? Totally. So um, I'll, I'll rewind it for a second. So I was mentioning that I was involved in live music on campus uh, in college. And then I actually worked out of school for the first year and a half at a business management firm which is essentially fancy for accounting office, but exclusively for musicians, touring artists, DJs, producers. I told the company I only wanted to work in music. And so day one, I had 20 artists touring, doing all kinds of stuff, running payrolls. And so I kind of jumped right into the arena doing finances for artists and having had that economics background and finance background, it was a pretty good fit. And I was doing that for some time, but I realized that the manager on the artist team was the person who I was working the closest with, who was involved in all aspects of the artist careers that I was representing and tended to be just the people I like looked up to a lot. And so in working closely with a lot of great managers, I was thinking to myself, and in college, I had the premonition that I might want to go into artist management after reading Don Passman's book. Um, but having actually worked closely with all these amazing managers, 
I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Um, so my time at the accounting firm really only lasted uh, just shy of two years. And I left and decided to independently start managing a rock band. Um, every parent's dream to hear that their kid is giving up the salary job to be a rock and roll manager. And that was fun um, for the six to eight weeks it lasted before COVID hit. And oh, yeah. we had some issues with the band and some um, some immigration issues where some of our members who were foreign were not able to stay in the U.S. And a lot of factors sort of resulted in that band falling apart. And that left me in the middle of the pandemic wanting to be a manager, but not having anyone to manage at the time um, and being in a bit of a pickle, like what comes next here? And so your question was, where did Mad Lettuce come from? I always struggled on, you know, I'm not a branding guy. Like that's not my specialty. I'm, I've always been more of a operational finance type thinker, but I was getting creative and I wanted to, my dad always said that I should have my name. So it should be, you know, Matt Lattice management. Ew, no, no, thank you. I'm not a fan. I feel like that's like what law firms do, or it's like a bunch of last names and no, that's no disrespect right. to law firms, but that, that felt a little too like kind of clerical for me. So I was playing around and a lot of people called me Matt Ladd growing up. And so I was like, maybe Matt Ladd, but then that sounded like the computer software, Matt yeah. Lab. And I was like, wait, that's, that's not going to work. And back in elementary school, um, I had a PE coach who called me Lettuce and I didn't like it. He was teasing me and I had a, like an aversion to the nickname Lettuce <laughs> and was not a fan. And then I thought about it and I was like, well, Matt, my, my younger sister's name is Kayla and her Facebook name for a while was instead of Kayla Lettuce, it was Kale a Lettuce. And she really <laughs> embraced the Lettuce name. She had it first. And so, you know, I was like, Lettuce, it's kind of funny. What if I did like Matt Lettuce? And then I was like, ah, that's like a little too harsh. And then I just was one day I was in Hermosa Beach. I was on the pier and it, I was just with my friend Michael and it was like Mad Lettuce, like, like. I was growing my hair out. I was like, I, I'm, I have Matt lettuce yeah. and <laughs> lettuce can mean a lot of things. And that's like my name and we're going to make Matt lettuce, which is money. <laughs> so I just thought there were all these like funny um, little like jokes with the name and it kind of sounds like my name, but it, it's a play on it. So yeah, that's kind of how I came to get, how it came to be. Everyone who I've told it to has either laughed and liked it or just liked it. I haven't gotten any, any pushback yet. So I think it's working so far, but yeah, that's the story of mad lettuce. You want to know what's really funny earlier when we were introducing you before you jumped on, I was like, Samantha, how do you pronounce his last name? Is it lattice or latest? And she's like, mad lettuce. Duh. I'm like, duh. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. And I only, I only figured it out after I'm like, Oh, I think it's lad or like, I think I said lattice. I'm like, wait a second. No. And then I saw like the names by it together. So that's why for that's once, we didn't, yeah, for once we didn't have to ask our guests how to pronounce their last name. We got there that on you take go. one. <laughs> <laughs> and I love how you like just released it like in a movie. I I, I <laughs> Even though this is all audio, I was like, I can't, I can't, I have to let the lettuce flow. Hey, one day there might be video eventually. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. It's just <laughs> ending your video like two, is not my forte. Two years behind, but one day, <laughs> one day it's been on the to-do list forever and then life happened. So it is what it is, but okay. So flash, <laughs> flash forward to today. I really enjoy Jonah's music, by the way. 
So of course we're going to get into that. Um, before we get into like, you know, your artists and the marketing side of things. So when you were on the accounting side, what is like the number one thing that artists are doing wrong or need to know? Um, planning for self-employment taxes. That's the number one thing that people don't realize they owe if you're a contractor. So if you're getting paid on a 1099, in addition to owing normal federal taxes and state income taxes, you're going to owe, I think it's 15.3% of the net income. So your business income, which is like 1099 income minus your business expenses. So you can write off stuff and whatever the net is of that 1099 total income and the um, expenses, you're going to owe self-employment taxes on, which when you're like an employee, they're withholding um, Medicare, yeah, like mm-hmm. a social security. This is your way as an independent contractor to pay in that. Um, so I feel like people don't know that there's that additional tax mm-hmm. when you have an independent contractor type business or a freelancer. So that's, that's probably the biggest mistake. And also just in general planning for taxes, because, you know, most artists income is 1099 income, if not all of it. So you just have to know that depending on what your expenses are going to look like, you're probably going to owe self-employment taxes in addition to your normal federal income tax and uh, state income tax, if you have state income tax. So that's I, the biggest thing I feel like I yeah. people don't always plan for in, in general who are in like a freelance type uh, industry. <clears throat> I learned that a couple of years ago and holy crap, it, it is a lot. Like sometimes I'm just like, Oh, I just, you know, wish I was at a regular corporate job again. So I don't have to do it. Um, especially if you're doing it yourself, two more questions from that now. Um, so I have a friend, (laughs) I have a friend that it blows my mind when she tells me this, I think she's probably doing her taxes wrong, but is there any scenario where you write off so many things that your taxes are zero? Um, yes, it depends on, I mean, if you're running a not profitable business, you don't owe taxes necessarily. So she's you're, for if you're profit, operating at a loss. She's for she's profit. She's for profit, but she's if she's operating at a loss, that means that there's no income, there's no net positive income. So you technically wouldn't owe any taxes. Um, there's also this thing called the standard deduction. If you're taking that, which is like 12,500 ish also disclaimer, I'm not a CPA. Yeah. Um, consult a CPA. If you need actual tax advice, I am here just with my opinion. Um, but, um, yeah, you could, you could not owe taxes, but at that same time, that just means you're not, it just means you're losing money every year. So, you know, it's, it's highly possible. That's what, that's where a lot of people will start C corps instead or S corps where they pay themselves a salary. And then the business has its own business tax uh, return. Whereas if Mm. it's like an independent single member LLC, it's all passed through, but I don't know how deep you want to get down that rabbit hole. No, you don't have to. to. I I personally, (laughs) from your response, she does her taxes wrong because she's not at a loss. She's gaining all her money. And somehow she thinks by writing off her gas and like, food expenses that it's going to balance out the taxes, which I know she's wrong. I just need to hear it. And I know it like, that's like, not, I'd have to see the books. I'd have to see the books to assess if it's wrong or not, but uh, it could also be the case where she's not making very much income. You know, she's, let's say she's making $10,000 a year and she's got $20,000 in legitimate business. Let's say you're an artist you made 10,000 last year. And then you had $20,000 in a music video expense. You're not going to owe taxes most likely because you are at a loss. But also, like, how are you going to pay rent? You know, like, there's yeah. all these other questions, like, where is the cash sitting? 
maybe you have a lot of cash already. So yeah. there's all kinds of scenarios, but I'd have to, yeah, we'd have to look under the hood. True, true. Okay. And I would just like to tell the listeners that paying taxes is not necessarily a bad thing. Like at the end of the year, you would, I would prefer to owe and keep that in my bank account, than pay it with every check and then get it back at the end of the year. So just keep in mind, paying taxes is not necessarily a bad thing. Yes. America probably charges too much and it's <laughs> very confusing, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. Well, and at least you're not loaning the government free money. And then gaining it back at yeah. the end of the year. That's what I'm saying. You'd rather have it. it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You'd rather have it in your bank account now where you hopefully you're or in the market where you're earning interest. And then at the mm-hmm. end of the year, you pay it. Are there is there like a tool that's really easy for artists to track their um expenses and then their 1099s? Yeah, QuickBooks. Okay. So I thought maybe there Zero might be like a books. music industry. <laughs> there are some that I've never used, mm-hmm. but I've heard of that are good and they'll like plug in directly with like your royalty companies and stuff and it'll track it but none that i've ever seen in place that are Mm. beneficial i think quickbooks self-employment is like 10 bucks a month Mm. and that's like not bad and you can track everything there so big fan of quickbooks or zero which is spelled x-e-r-o those are the two biggies i recommend and they're way easier then they might seem they basically like all your activity flow, you log into your bank account, it's all secured, all the activity flows in, and then you set up your your codes and then you just start coding things. And easier said than done, of course, because there's all these little tricks and stuff and how to plan properly. But yeah. um, overall, overarching, highly recommend having something like that versus at the end of the year, having all these bank statements and like, was this income? Was this a gift for mom? Was this yeah, you know, legit? Was that's this my life. Meal, I need <laughs> a real business expense, or was this like going out? You know, like who knows? Yeah, legit. That's my life. I need to get QuickBooks. I've always told myself that, and you know, I'm in a messy routine. So, anyways, um, jumping into your relationship with Jonah Roy, um, <laughs> <laughs> how did y'all meet, and how did that partnership start? So I, if you rewind to last year, I started managing a new act or I brought on a new management client um, since the other band I had been working with sort of fell apart and they're called Walden. And that was my first band that was really, first band that had like their shit together um, and they're really polished and they were looking for a manager and I ended up touring with them and we did a 50 state tour. And that was, you know, that's a whole story in and of itself that we just told on this guy, Ari Herstance podcast. So when that episode comes out, I'll send it to you. Um, but I was, man- I started managing them, went on this crazy tour. And your question was about Jonah. So after the Walden tour, I ended up getting really sick and I was home for like six weeks. And all I, all I did the whole time was go on TikTok and research artists, trying to find new mu- new music and find artists who were doing cool stuff. And I remember it was around uh, the holidays and Jonah Roy kept popping up in my For You page and he was promoting Fuck That. And the song was so catchy. The visuals were super cool. Very like simple bedroom aesthetic, but with like a very cool color to it. And and just like the music and the, the transitions in the videos, I just thought were great. And I liked what he was doing. So I DM'd him on Instagram and was just like, hey man, like I'm a, you know, I'm a big fan of like this song you've been promoting. Like, you know, I see it's coming out in a couple of weeks. Any chance I could like bump the master? And he's like, oh yeah, it's up on my SoundCloud. And I was like, okay. Went to a SoundCloud song was right there, jammed out to it. And I really liked it and thought that it was just catchy and 
you know, I was like, dude, like, do you like, are you doing this all yourself? Like, do you have anyone helping? And he's like, hundred percent me. It's all, I'm all independent. I said, cool. Well, I'd love to just like hear more about what you're doing and, 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 and get to know you better. Like, I think it's, you know, you're onto some, some cool stuff. And I think when the song comes out, it's going to smack. So we got on a phone call, we started chatting. I told him a little about myself, but he was driving cross country, had terrible phones connection, and we couldn't really uh, hear each other well. So I was like, where do you live? LA. I'm like, great. I live in LA. I'll be back in a week or two. Let's, uh, let's meet up. So then and that's kind of how things started. And then the song came out on Friday, I think like January 7th or something. And we had a lunch schedule January 8th. Turns out he lives five blocks away from me in Los Angeles. What so we're the like, heck? yeah, super like, uh, you know, some fate stuff right there. Cause he was like so close and didn't really have anyone supporting him in the industry. And then that Saturday, the day before on Friday, fuck that came out on new music Friday, which as you probably both know is a hot playlist where when you're on it, it's, you know, it's not necessarily like the Holy grail, but what it is, is a lot of people start paying attention mm-hmm. who maybe weren't before and, and just start reaching out. And so we're getting lunch. I didn't even know it was on new music Friday. I just was like meeting up with the dude and he is telling me people are reaching out. Everyone's in his DMS this and that. And I just told him my story, my background, the Walden tour, how we just did a DIY tour in all 50 States, starting with $50 and like did it successfully and profitably. And he just like, kind of liked all that. And I said, listen, like, I'd love to like talk further and see if there's any way I can help you. It sounds like, you know, you got a lot, a lot of great stuff coming. So that was like the beginning. Tuesday after he called me and was like, he was like, Hey, can you chat? And I was like, yeah. And got on the phone. He's like, Hey man, you know, how you said you'd like be down to work with me. And I was like, yeah. He's like, do you want to be my manager? And I mute the phone and I'm like, yes. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I was like, I was like, what? I was like, do you, I was like, I know you have other people messaging you, other managers, you know, why do you want to work with me? And do you want to maybe do it as like a trial period? And like, cause I don't want you to, I want you to make sure you feel really good about this. This is like a long-term partnership. And he was like, I just trust you. He was like, I just trust you. And let's just, let's get started. And I said, great. And he's like, you're not gonna make me sign anything to get started. Right. <laughs> and I was like, just your entire life saved. No, yes. I was like, of course not. You know, let's just, you know, why don't you just come over? And I went to his place. And since then he was just here like an hour ago and he comes to my spot or I go to his spot like almost every day. And we're planning, brainstorming, working, just hanging, getting to know each other. Um, and so, yeah, sorry, that's the long-winded answer to your question, but that's kind of how I started rocking with Jonah. You know, more information is better than less information. So we really, really <laughs> appreciate that. And, you know, I'm not a huge TikTok user, but a lot of that content overflows into Instagram, of course. And um now that you mention it, like I'm, I'm pretty positive. I came across fuck that. Um, or he heavily reminds me of something. I can't put my finger on it. Um, all I know is I really like the music a lot and oh. I, I gave him a follow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amazing. We, since I've been with him, well, fuck that came out like, I guess days before we started working together and we've had one song come out since then. And we have another song dropping this Friday that we're both super excited about. So still very early in our journey together, but we had our first like headlining show in LA last week and it was so, so much fun, very successful. And so I feel like a lot of good stuff um, is, uh, is in the works for us. One of the songs that was recently released that you just mentioned was Pressure. Is that correct? Back in March? Yep. Um, so like, 
you have mentioned that, you know, you're either there, he's at your place, you see each other every day brainstorming. So for this single in particular, um, what did it take? Like, how did you decide which direction, what channel to lean on? Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I, when we started to talk about pressure in January, and I believe it came out in February, um, we, you know, this is a song Jonah had made a little while ago and was so excited about when he made it and was just so excited to eventually put this one out. And we had gone through his sort of library of songs and he's got hundreds and hundreds of songs written and not released, obviously. Um, and so picking which one to kind of go with, Pressure felt natural because um, it had this nostalgic feel that Fuck That also had, um, where it kind of makes you feel like the early 2000s, but with sort of like this modern indie pop, like it, it really fits into this like hyper modern sound, but um, it very uniquely kind of has that Jonah uh, signature to it. So we agreed when we agreed on it and he showed it to me, we, you know, went and got the song mixed and mastered and we were thinking, you know, on, on, for fuck that Jonah basically had one video in like November of last year that went mini viral with like, you know, probably a hundred thousand views and a lot of people really chiming in for the song and really loving the song. And then from there, he, his TikTok following started really growing. And TikTok has been, you know, sort of the bread and butter of this, this project and, and getting it launched and getting people to discover Jonah's music. Um, so that, that's how I met him. And so a lot of the momentum, I think he had like a few thousand followers, maybe four or 5,000 when I first reached out. And um, he's almost tripled that since. And in just continuing to post content using the songs in a fun quirky funny or relatable way um we just jonah was just posting every day and for instance with pressure he we had a pre-save link and we made he made tiktoks where it was like if you pre-save pressure i'll send you know send me a screenshot on instagram and i'll send you an unreleased song of mine. and believe it or not that probably yielded 50 to 100 messages and people, you know, sending screenshots that they pre-saved it and us sending them this unreleased tune and people love the unreleased tune. It really made them feel more connected to Jonah. Um, and also they pre-saved the song, which helps get the song in their, in their libraries, right. When mm. it releases, it helps with the algorithm. It's good look for Spotify. So yeah, we really just leaned in on TikTok. I mean, I have to give him all the credit. He makes them and records them and edits them himself. Um, I started to come in and brainstorm ideas and give suggestions during the pressure era and continue to. Um, and so we're always just like spitballing and he'll be at my apartment. I'll step away to like use the restroom and I'll come back and he's recorded and posted a TikTok in like the three minutes I was gone. And it'll be like him setting the video down and it's him just like doing some little cutesy dance to the song for eight seconds and then like playing the song over it and it'll get 5,000 views or something. So I, I'd say that leaning on TikTok was really and continues to be the biggest channel that's helped get awareness about Jonah and his music. Um, and also just, you know, it's the cold hustle of letting all your friends know songs dropping, pre-save it. Here's a link, you know, making a big event for it. We made a music video for pressure um, as well as for fuck that. Um, and are in the works of, in the process of making one for our next song, which is called shape shifting. Um, and, you know, those released uh, a week after uh, the fuck that and the pressure videos released a week after the song came out and that kept the momentum going, got people excited. So that's really where um, where Jonah uh, focused, though, is just making interesting TikToks. We had one that was we like to lean on like little controversial things where like people like will start arguing in the, in the comments 
So Jonah did a selfie video where it's just him like headbanging to like pressure walking down the street. And on the, on the screen, it says, think I invented a new genre, hyper indie. So like arbitrary in like, what is hyper indie? But it got almost a million views and people commenting like, you think you created a new genre? Like this is just pop or this is just indie or, you know, who do you think you are? And then other people being like, this song smacks. I fucking love this. Like, this is so cool. It's my new favorite song. Like, I can't wait till it comes out. And then just people don't realize that the comments like fuel on each other and keep the algorithm going. And then the views, I remember like we were at like 100,000 views. We're like, oh my God. And then like a couple hours later, we're like, we're at 300,000 views. Oh my God. Like, why does this keep happening? And it was the most, not, it's not random, but just like, it didn't take much effort to make that video, but it was just a, a tasteful use of the song and of saying something on the screen that got people, you know, uh, fired up to comment and keep the algorithm pushing. So that's really what uh, what we did to promote the song. We also, you know, had a few press partners who we are friends with over at Fashionably Early. You've heard of them, Sheesh Media, um, and a few other places wrote about the song and got it on their blog. So got a little bit of a press presence and... Yeah, that's the the story. Same thing with our next song, Shapeshifting. We, you know, Jonah makes tons of TikToks. I help him come up with ideas and he just executes. And, you know, he played it live for the first time recently and made and, and the crowd got super hyped. So he's posted videos of that being like, this is what it's like to come to a Jonah Roy show kind of thing. And so all of that, just keeping the algorithm going and getting people excited for um for the new music. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems that. I mean, the takeaway here is that he's very consistent and very frequent with his content. How often would you say he posts? Pretty much every day or sometimes a couple times a day. There's never more than like a day or two where there isn't a TikTok. Um, and it's always new stuff. He doesn't really recycle old videos. Mm. He likes to be original. Another thing is that we don't really do trends or trending sounds for the most part. It's almost all Jonah Roy music, unreleased music demos with his friends you know he has a nice uh nice and strong artist community around him with amazing acts like tommy richmond paco jack woods frank sativa shy high indigo max leonard all these kids who are all like 20 21 and are making music together and promoting each other on their platform that's amazing yeah so i think that this like community that he's been uh, a part of and a central figure in um really has been supportive in our growth um because these these guys are all just supporting each other making music together our song coming out friday is with jack woods as the co-artist um and then we have other we were just brainstorming you know all the other songs he has with his friends what we want to do with those songs so it's really exciting and, and jonah's a really collaborative person he he's not selfish in any way he's honestly one of the most selfless artists i've met and just wants to help other he was telling me how much he enjoys working with artists who have never made music before who are brand new because he feels like he can help shape their you know understanding of recording and producing whereas a lot of other because he also produces for people yeah. whereas a lot of producers want to come in with an artist who's already very far along and you know very established he likes to help and bring people up which i think just goes you know which just uh shows his, his character and um that's and, how it and, should and, be yeah yeah like that's really how it should be because you know things always come full circle so i mean you just never know who you're helping and and like what can happen you know um i wish everyone was like that and oh my god these 20 year olds like 
of course, TikTok, like they, they get it. And it's nice to hear that he, that he understands it and that he actually likes it because I know how overwhelming and exhausting it can be for a lot of people. So that's very Mm -hmm. helpful. I don't know how much he loves making content super regularly, but I think it's become so natural and fluid that it's not a burden so much as it's just something that, you know, he, we were even just talking about a friend of his who hasn't put any music out and is asking him for advice. His advice is post it on TikTok. (laughs) I'll help you make TikToks. Just it's this machine that's feeding to large audiences and to some people's chagrin, it's not as easy to get in front of an audience, but to some people's you know, benefit, it can make their career. It's true. Absolutely. And so is he performing all these TikToks in real time or is sometimes he um, like planning ahead and having like a bucket of videos? He makes them in real time. Anything you see was recorded, edited and posted that day, most likely. Um, we tried, I tried to sit down and brainstorm like a, like a list of content, which is like what I've done with other artists. And he's just like, as you have ideas, send them my way. And And I was like, so excited because that's honestly a dream because he's so, he's not resistant and understands the, the power here. Um, and before fuck that blew up, he was still posting like dozens and dozens and dozens of TikToks. Like he has like a lot of old videos and was really trying. And then when it really clicked on fuck that, I feel like a lot of things like the branding and aesthetic and just the sonic direction he was going came together. And he has this really strong sense of artistry now that I maybe I didn't know him before, but it's crazy. We were talking about how we went to the same show and he didn't get in because he wasn't 21. Um, he was like 19 at the time, maybe. And we were at the same show and we and but I, I obviously went in. He didn't because he couldn't get in. Yeah. And we were laughing about how we could have met that night. But like but we didn't. And, and, and I think everything works out, you know, nice. how it's supposed to. So it's just, just, I'm excited that I came in when I did and someone else didn't, you know, get, get ahead of me with yeah. Jonah because he's, you know, honestly a really amazing partner in this and very, he enjoys learning about the business side and, and believes that I can help and, and trust me. So it's a nice two-way relationship where we're, uh, you know, listening to each other and, and supporting each other's strengths and such. Yes, that's so ideal um, to like, you know, help each other out and um, grow with one another. Okay. Also, I think about that all the time, like how often we come across or even walk near someone. It's this weird thought that I have where it's like, how often do I actually see or walk near or go to the same place as like the same person? And how many times does that happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, have we been in the same room before? It's funny. We were talking and Jonah loves Tyler, the creator. And I was like talking about Camp Flogna in 2019. He's like, I was there and we were at the same festival at all the same sets. So it's possible we it's bumped insane. fresh shoulders at one point, but you know, it, it doesn't matter though, because we share that we have that experience one way or another, even though we didn't quite know each other at the time. Absolutely. Yes. We cannot believe that that song was able to receive 60,000 streams in eight weeks. And I'm sure it's still getting some traction um, to from like from that moment of release. Did you have an initial benchmark that you wanted to hit with this single? With pressure specifically? Yeah. I mean, we wanted to outstream Fuck That, which we haven't quite done. Fuck That's like sitting at like, I think five or 600,000 around wow. on all the platforms, which is awesome. 
Um, so no, we technically didn't hit that, but it's also like, it's not over because what's interesting with Spotify is a song of his like psycho, which came out last summer recently got a big boost in streams, um, from discover weekly and from getting on some big Spotify playlists like fresh finds. So psycho is actually now our second most streamed song and one that Joan and I are hoping will surpass fuck that. So our only benchmark was just to beat the last song yeah. and fuck that just continued to grow at a really exponential rate. So we didn't quite do that with pressure, but that's okay. I mean, pressure continues to grow. Um, all of the songs have been continuing to grow. Yesterday we saw our biggest day of streaming ever, which was crazy. We had 7,500 people stream Jonah's music, um, which it's normally been like anywhere from three to 4,000 people a day. So it almost doubled in one day and to us it's not about the individual song yeah you know it's about building a fan base and an audience mm -hmm. and there's going to be more songs jonah is an artist who just continues to write every day he's always sending me new songs and they're all so good so there's no shortage of of music to be you know released at some point and so we're not really so fixated on one song you know hitting a specific benchmark but rather us continuing to build a fan base and some people might like pressure. Some people might like fuck that. And some people might like dreams from his first album in 2019. But, you know, ultimately, as long as they're fans of Jonah and want to support his artistry, that's really what we're going for here. What do you think um, helped the spike and in increase in streams this past week? I don't quite know. We think that I saw something similar happen with Walden where the songs I know where the, those, that bump came from. It was Discover Weekly which is mm -hmm. like an algorithmic playlist. So people are now getting our song on their discover weekly playlist. So that's where the, the actual streams came from. I can see all that data, Yeah. but why this specific song psycho got on people's discover weeklies and had its single best day of streaming. We're not exactly sure. I'm actually looking right now every day. It was getting around a thousand streams a day. And then yesterday I got 6,000. So I have no idea why maybe just the Spotify gods decided to bless us with a little bit of a streaming boost, but it's from discover weekly. And what a lot of people don't realize is getting on Spotify editorial playlists is super cool. And both Walden and Jonah have been on, uh, you know, several of them. And it's a really great feeling for the artist because that's like a big milestone and, and uh, a highly coveted, spot but the real place where growth happens is on the algorithmic streaming um getting discovered by people on radio on discover weeklies on um you know like you know on repeat different algorithmic playlists that's where the growth really compounds um and so and you get to that level by having an initial fan base who's listening to your song a bunch who's listening uh, repeatedly and adding it to their own personal playlists i know that fuck that got put on like 15,000 individual playlists in like the first month. And so those people wow. were able to keep the, the energy alive and anyone who followed their playlists um, were able to, um, you know, listen to it and keep that momentum going. Yeah. That's a really great piece of advice because keep in mind, Spotify is a business at the end of the day. So the more that people are using it, they they reward those that are actually listening. And so they want the best experience for each user. And so of course they're going to recommend music that's similar um, to what they're liking, adding to playlist, all that stuff. So this next one is our favorite question that we ask. And the listeners know that we ask it every episode. What do you want to be known for? 
Oh Lord, just in in general or in, in general, the music you, industry. You can take that any way you want. Uh, let me think. I just want to be known as someone who helps other people. Period. Someone who people can lean on or can can help. I know that I wouldn't be able to do anything that I do without the help I got from so many different people. So uh, that's what I would want to be known for. I like a short and sweet, and I could totally tell that's you. And um, so then our last question is, what is the best advice that you've received or that you can give to um, either new um, professionals entering the music industry or just artists who are starting out? Uh, that's a good one. Um, I'm trying to think how to phrase this. Really, it's just one of one of my mentors told me this, and I heard this in another interview recently. It's to if you really want to do something and you really have the conviction that you can do something, spend you know don't spend too much time talking about it and telling people about it, and just spend time figuring out how to do it and just putting in the work. I call it putting in reps, like at the gym. You know, just the amount of times you make a video or the amount of times you do someone's account or whatever it is, like the more you do something, the better you get at it. And the more you talk about it, the less time you have to actually do it. So I would say it's to really, if you believe you want to do something, my advice is get, you know, you can get advice from people. You can run, run ideas by people, but, you know, take some time and actually figure out how to do that and then show people that, you know, I had a, in, in short, my advice is show, don't tell. And that came from an English teacher I had in high school who, when we would write essays, she would say, I want you to show me what you're trying to say. Don't tell me. Don't say the sky is blue. Describe how the, you know, when you when you look up, there's this, you know, this aura of of blueness that's, you know, you know, purveying in the sky or or whatever. You know, like that's sort of how I was uh in, you know, sort of taught to put things out. And I think the same applies to anyone who's trying to make music or who's trying to launch a business or make a podcast. You can spend hours and hours and hours talking about wanting to do a podcast, but the two of you are actually reaching out to people, setting up, you know, times on, on Zoom like this, and then editing them and then putting them out and doing the work and putting in reps. So that's my advice is show it, do it, don't tell it. I feel like we tend to trick our minds by talking about things all the time. We trick our minds to um, thinking that we're actually doing something and that we're productive, but it really just, like you said, like you have to take the action, like let's talk more action. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I always say that talk is cheap. I heard someone say that. I don't know where I heard it. And I could sit here and talk to you for hours about how I want to change the world and do this and this. And I could probably convince you that I actually want to do those things, but all of that is, you know, ideas are a dime a dozen. Execution is everything. That's like another quote. Mm -hmm. I, I just live by that because so many people have great ideas and then don't act on them. And I don't really know what the point is if you aren't going to try to take some of those and actually do something with it or inspire someone else to run with that idea. So yeah, that's, that's just something I live by. Well, um, that's a high note to end on. So thank you so much, Matt, for joining us on this episode of the setup. We really appreciate you being flexible and sharing your experience. And we're really excited to share this. Yeah. Um, thank you for having me. I hope that this episode can in some way help or motivate someone. Um, and if it does, then we did our job here. Hey, it sure will. I could tell you that. 
Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Setup Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please review the Setup on Apple Podcasts. And I encourage you to share this episode with your friends and colleagues. If you have any topic recommendations or questions, please visit us at www.thesetupseries.com. 